Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jersey Educator Podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. And welcome to episode number 16 of the Jersey Educator Podcast. This is the podcast created by NJEA members for NJEA members. And Jim, I hate to say it, but it is that time again where students grab their book bags and they head back to school. Can you feel the excitement in the air? Jeff, I certainly can. We always notice a, a shift in the air in the atmosphere um, at NJA, and uh, welcome back. And it's always amazing how uh, you know those last few days of August are always in that 95 to 100 degree, and then as soon as we hit Labor Day, boom, 75 degrees, and you know it's time to put those khakis back on. Yes, sir. There are so many amazing things today. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast. Jeff, really excited about today's guest. We have Joseph uh, Pizzo. He's a seventh grade language arts teacher of 42 years uh, from the Black River Middle School in Chester Township, New Jersey, which is in Morris County. Jeff, he was recently named uh, 2016 Educator of the Year for the New Jersey Association for Middle Level Education. Uh, he's also the former president of the New Jersey Council of Teacher of English and their Educator of the Year from 2005. And he's uh, currently a member of Scholastic's National Teacher Advisory Board. You know, I'm, I was excited about this interview. I've known Joe for the last five years. And uh, please stick on for the uh, rest of this podcast. The interview with Joe is something that you can't miss. There's a lot of great things happening in the NJA to start this school year. Jim, what's happening in the next couple of weeks here that we can be a, a, a part of? Absolutely, Jeff. Right around the corner, um, early career members across the state have uh, been connecting and they're working on an event uh, in Hackensack, New Jersey for September 16th. Uh, They're calling it the ABCs of Paychecks event. It's going to be at a a brewery there in Hackensack called Ale Amentry. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a social networking affair like a lot of our events, but uh, there will be a piece there where we're going to talk and break down all those acronyms on the paychecks and uh, dive into that a little bit. So a little bit of financial education, too. And and Jeff, uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, one of our members. Uh, his name is Dan Staples. He's the local association president of the Manchester Township Education Association in Ocean County. And he's putting together a team for the Tough Mudder Tri-State. Jeff, have you ever heard of a Tough Mudder event? I have actually never heard of a Tough Mudder Tri-State. I had not until I met Dan, and apparently uh, this Tough Mudder is like a a marathon obstacle course on steroids. It is, uh, you know, you go through mud, you go through all kinds of obstacles, and uh, a great workout, a lot of fun. Um, And this year's Tough Mudder, will take place on October 8th, and it's going to be uh, in English Town, New Jersey. And Dan is looking to put a team together with his peers. Uh, so if you're interested, reach out to Dan. His email is staples5811 at gmail.com, and he will get you all set up with the team. So, and Jim, would, would you say that October 8th is Mother's Day? <laughs> we, yes, uh, we could call it Mother's Day, Jeff. Excellent. What else do we have going on? Uh, Jeff, after, you know, we got a couple more events going through October. I think, Jeff, we have about 15 events with the Early Career Member Network uh, going in the fall. And our members can learn more about them at njea.org slash early career members. 
on the events page there. Check them out, sign up. And of course, Jeff, right around the corner, November 10th and 11th is the NJA convention in Atlantic City. So uh, we'll be touting more and more of that as we move through the fall. I got to tell you, I'm certainly looking forward to that event as I am every single year. Um, If you are going down to the conference and raise your hand if you are, uh, you are going to find in the middle of the uh, it's not high tech hall this year, Jim. They're calling it something else, I believe. But uh, right, right in the middle of the area where, where all the amazing stuff is happening, um, I'm going to be there with my teacher cast booth. You can't miss it. Big, huge, green uh, uh, mobile classroom. We're going to be talking about uh, things like video editing with Final Cut, Evernote, organization. We're going to be doing some Google workshops. Uh, a lot of great stuff. But, Jim, you and I are going to be running a live episode of the Jersey Educator podcast. Um, how can people find out more information about this and and learn about the guests that we have coming up absolutely we are going to be there uh, on thursday of convention um probably between 11 and 1 or 12 and 2 we're still kind of working that out and uh you know we will have some information on our website njea.org slash early career members and then as the pinch, as the convention gets closer we will post some things and our schedule of guests up on the convention website also. I'm looking forward to it, doing a live show with you. We're, of course, going to have about a a million chairs in front of us. And if anybody (laughs) wants to come by and check it out, um, you know, we do like doing things like question and answer. We do like doing audience topics. But essentially, we're going to be doing a two-hour version of the Jersey Educator podcast. Certainly check that out. And uh, we hope that you can make it. Going down to Atlantic City is always my favorite time of the year. There's so many great things and the one thing i love about atlantic city jim is that it's usually the read is water ice is still available down there so uh, if, if you don't know what that means you're probably from north jersey um all right <laughs> i want to transition quickly into our social media minute from our friends from nj school jobs you know it is that time of year where people are still looking for positions they are trying to figure out where to go and Our friends at njschooljobs.com today want to share with you a little bit about some of the things you can do when you go to your first job interview. Hello, this is Todd Lawrence, proud NJEA member and a co-owner of njschooljobs.com, New Jersey's leading education job site with a few tips on landing a job in education. Today's focus is on researching school districts. Once you've received a call from a school district to interview, don't waste any time researching the district to see if they're a good fit for you. Find out what types of curriculum programs they are using so that you can at least be comfortable answering questions related to those topics. You may also want to investigate student demographics, how many schools are in the district, finding out class size, and what extracurricular opportunities are available. Furthermore, see if they have a supportive educational community. Do they have an active or engaged PTA or PTO? Is there an educational foundation established to support the schools? Finding out the answers to these questions can go a long way towards making your teaching job a successful one. For more career information or to find a job in New Jersey schools, visit our website at njschooljobs.com. And, you know, Jim, it certainly is important. I remember going through various job interviews over my whole career. You do want to know something about the school district going into that job interview. Maybe perhaps, you know, what kind of technology they're using or maybe what kind of programs they're running. It's always important to vet the school district a little bit before. That way you can kind of have an idea. And also, you know, those times where the potential employer asks, you know, do you have any questions for us? 
by asking specific questions about the district, it kind of helps out a little bit. It shows that you care about the position that you're going in. There's, of course, several great ways that you can be a part of this podcast, Jim. How can somebody reach out and either be a part of the show or subscribe to our show, The Jersey Educator Podcast? Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, we have an email inbox at podcast at njea.org. You can find us online at njea.org slash podcast. And just do a search for us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Jim, our guest today is Joe Pizzo. What can you tell us about Joe? Jeff, Joe Pizzo is a seventh grade language arts teacher of 42 years at Black River Middle School in Chester Township, New Jersey, which is in Morris County. Uh, Jeff, he was recently named the 2016 Educator of the Year for the New Jersey Association for Middle Level Education. Uh, Joe is also a former president of the New Jersey Council of Teachers of English and their Educator of the Year in 2005. And he serves as a member of Scholastic's National Teacher Advisory Board. That is a very impressive resume. I want to welcome to the program Mr. Joe Pizzo. Joe, how are you today? Welcome to the Jersey Educator Podcast. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you and I have been working together now for the last five years, and it has been an amazing ride. We've done conferences. We've done workshops together. Uh, tell us a little bit about who is Joe Pizzo. I'm somebody who loves his job. I never knew that I wanted to be a teacher until I was in college, and I was in a math class, and before class, there were two guys having a discussion about a problem they couldn't solve. I walked over, helped them out. They thanked me. I walked back to my desk and said, gee, that was pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I'll teach. And that was the takeoff. And, and was it instant love affair with education and, 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 that, and the whole process? It's a difficult job to do. It, it, it's a whole lot more difficult, as you know, than it appears to be. And it's, it's not a job that you can just show up to. And if you're not really on your game, that it's going to be fine and dandy, there can be some problems. Uh, you have to be prepared, and you have to go in with the attitude that I want to be here, and that's true of any job. How, how many years did you say that you've been a professional educator? 42. 42 years. You've, you've seen a lot of trends coming, come and go. You've seen a lot of pendulum swinging. What, is there a certain thing that, that, that kind of comes to mind over the last 42 years that's kind of been like, that was my favorite thing, or hey, that was a really cool event that happened. What are some of those things that have really like stood out in your mind over the last 42 years? The things that I've always liked to do are to open up the classroom walls and get the kids outside the walls as much as possible. When 9-11 happened, horrible tragedy. I had kids meet with me every Thursday at lunch from... January until June, and they built a garden along with a landscaper who donated all of his material and all of his, his men's work uh, to the effort. The kids went to the council meeting, got the approvals, um, and helped to build that garden that still stands to this day as a memorial to uh, Mr. Froner, whose children went to the Chester schools. That's pretty powerful. I'm so proud of, of my students, I, I can't begin to tell you. Uh, just recently, 
as you may know, one of my students had his poem chosen uh, to be featured on the Office of Veterans Affairs website. I had sent his poem out to different places because it was a tremendous poem. And we're doing what I call digi-poems, poems that are enhanced digitally, put into different programs like iMovies and screencasts and whatever. And he did such a marvelous job with this. And I sent out to as many people as I could think of, the Office of Veterans Affairs got back to me and said, would you please write a guest blog? We love this poem. We'd like to post it on the 4th of July. Wow. So I got a chance to write a guest blog for the Office of Veterans Affairs, and that was posted with my student Michael's poem. That's that's pretty cool, Joe. Yeah. So, you know, somebody who's been around that long, um, you know, I I don't really know the first question to ask, but it's something to the effect of, what was it like to teach without technology and teach without email and, and teach when, you know, you actually had to be a good teacher without having to blame on things like, you know, bad computers or outdated websites and things like that? I mean, you've seen, obviously, technology grow and come into fruition here. Um, what was that transition like for you over the last 20 years? It's been interesting, but I have to say that you always have to be a good teacher because any amount of technology is not going to cover up the fact that you do or don't know what you're doing. Uh, That becomes evident to the kids right away. I think you have to be honest in what you do. Um, I think that you have to use technology mindfully. It has to be used in in a valuable way. And has the definition of good teaching changed over 40 years? Or is a good teacher a simply a good teacher? I really don't think it has. I think some of the options are a little bit more uh, available to us. We do have more options with technology. We do have more options with books online and with kids able to travel while staying right in the comfort of their classroom. Uh, different programs can take you to different places in the world. And... In- it's, it always amazes me, Joe, whenever we get a chance to talk, all the different things that you're doing. One of the things that you are currently working on is what we in the education call the Cal Ripken Jr. Award. You have not taken a day off since 1870. What was the date that you said? 1986. 1986. So, first of all, how, how many sick days have you accumulated <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> I've lost track. I think it's around 400. That is awesome. Um, and, and why? Why haven't you taken any sick time? I always tell my students that the reason I come into work every day is to work with them. That's, that's what pushes me every day. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. And it gives me the greatest satisfaction to talk about my students rather than talking about what I've done or oh, look at me, I want people to look at my students and see just how accomplished they are and, and how creative they are. I get a lot of, of satisfaction from that. Jim, you know, I got to say, it's teachers like Joe that really, you know, we should be looking up to, we should be celebrating, and, and obviously we just did. Joe, tell us a little bit about the, the recognition that you just got um, this past year. I was voted the NJAMLE Educator of the Year for Middle-Level Educators, and it was a total surprise to me. 
I showed up at the conference. They did an introduction, and I'm listening to the introduction saying, gee, I think I might have done that. Gee, I think I might have done that. And then they said my name, and I said, well, I guess I, I, guess I have done that because I'm walking up there to get an award now. <laughs> that's pretty. That's an amazing story right there. That's awesome. Uh, Jim, you know, I know you do a lot of work with with new teachers and and Joe certainly here is a mentor and a role model for all new teachers. What are some things that we can share with the early career members um, when it comes to working with our veteran teachers? Absolutely, Jeff. Just listening to you and Joe uh, talk and I keep reflecting back upon the early career uh, NJA members I know. And also I've been thinking a little about my first year teaching uh, because I also started off in the seventh grade language arts classroom too in Pennsylvania in what I would call not a very supportive school with a very unsupportive administration who really just wasn't there for me. And I felt very lonely uh, over there in Pennsylvania. So, uh, Joe, um, having you here and all your experience in years, uh, you know, what advice can you offer our teachers, our support staff, especially on the middle school level when it comes to creating, uh, let's say a healthy classroom atmosphere for their, their students? Jim, I think one of the keys for me, there are a couple of keys, actually. One of the major ones I find is, that you have to be the person you are. Don't try to be somebody else because the kids will pick that up in a heartbeat. They'll know if you're being a phony. They'll know if you're being pretentious. They'll know if you're talking down to them. You also have to go in with the attitude that I like to be here. This is where I want to be. If I could be anywhere else, well, maybe I might, might choose someplace else on occasion, but this is a pretty good place to be. And I'm glad to be around you, the students. I'm glad to be part of a family. The school is really a family and we have to take care of each other. I'm very fortunate that I work in a place where we treat each other as family would treat each other. One thing I would say to anyone at any level is get to know the custodians, get to know the secretaries, get to know the support staff, the aides, all those people help to make the school the wonderful place it can be. Without them, we don't have the same atmosphere. We don't have the same feeling. We don't have the same energy. And they're all very talented people who are teaching in their own way. So I think we have to recognize that whenever we can, let's bring them into the experiences couldn't agree with you more and i think that's why we always have to redefine and we do it a lot on this show what the term association means it's not just teachers it's everybody that works in that building that is looking and and helping out students of all ages if you do anything in isolation i think you're setting yourself up not only for a major disappointment but also for failure uh, i can remember Gosh, it must be a good 30 years ago. Uh, the folks from the A Plus for Kids Network, when it was still around, came to my classroom in Black River and filmed me. Uh, I was very fortunate to be one of the first five teachers inducted into Channel 9's A Plus for Teachers Hall of Fame. And the program was broadcast 
all over the world because it was Universal 9 at the time. And I guess my point is that you never know just how you can influence people in whatever way because after the summer, we all came back to school and I remember kids telling me, oh, I was in Argentina, I was in Chile, I was in Brazil on vacation or with my family. And we saw that program that you were on, on Channel 9, you speak such wonderful Spanish. And I said, I think the program was dubbed. <laughs> I didn't speak any Spanish that day at all. No, 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 you were speaking Spanish, really. And, and I guess I always hold on to that story because it shows just how powerful communication can be and how sometimes kids can get so caught up in the moment that their reality is what they see. And I think we need to support that. And, and not put the kids down or, or, you know, make fun of them or say, oh, how silly you are. But just laugh with them. Joe, have support models changed much over the years as, as, as technology advances, as we advanced in education? I mean, or are you supporting students the same way now that you did in, you know, 1970? The biggest change I see is that grades are now posted online, assignments are posted online, and everyone knows at home just what the grades are, just what the assignments are. And I kind of uh, enjoy it because I'll have a student come up to me and say, oh, I, I was looking at my grades and I got this grade. Can you tell me the reason? And we'll sit. And we'll talk about the reason the grade's there. And there are always those occasions when sometimes for whatever reason, I may have punched in 120 grades and I hit the wrong number. And a kid will come to me and say, I don't think that's right. And, and I always said, this is for young teachers. When you make a mistake, say, oh, I'm sorry. Let's fix that. And we'll go right in and fix it. And the kids just get the biggest smile. And that's so important because we're human. We make mistakes. And the lesson there is we can make the mistakes. It's okay. Let's own up to them and then let's fix them. What about professional development? How, how, has, how, how has teacher training changed over the last 41 years? I've actually seen a push towards something that I've wanted ever since I went into the, the profession and that's relying on those who are in the classroom to teach others who are in the classroom, those in their own buildings, those among buildings. I was down at a leadership conference at National Council of Teachers of English this summer, and I talked to the folks from Ohio, and they were telling me that the English Teachers Association from Ohio is having a conference. Now, as much as I would love to go, there's no way in the world that I can get a couple of days off and just pick up and go with all the other things that I'm involved in. And the fact that it's a couple of months before testing, it's, it's early February, plus there are weather considerations. So I said to them, do you have all your workshops set? And they said, no. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I've been trying to do this for a lot of years. I want to hook up my classroom with other people in other parts of the state, other parts of, of the country, the world, and maybe do lessons together, exchange ideas. Well, why don't we have me in Chester, New Jersey, give my, my conference presentation and maybe have some of my students there with me 
and I can present to you folks out in Ohio. And one of the representatives said, we like that idea. That's a really good idea. Thank you. Well, let's try that. So I put in my application a couple of weeks ago, and I hope to be able to do that in early February, where I'll be sitting in Chester, and folks will be attending my conference out in Ohio. The business community has been doing that forever, and I think it's time we do some of that, too. Joe, really great story, really great stuff. Um, I, I'm reminded as as you and, and Jeff and I are ha- having the conversation about our guest on the last show. Uh, we had Susan Caldwell, a parent, a former Board of Education member, currently the executive director of Save Our Schools New Jersey. Uh, Joe, any tips or advice or just little nuggets of wisdom to share with our listeners about interacting with parents, interacting with the community. Uh, you know, how, how important is it and how can we start to do that a little better? My mentor, when I first started out many, many moons ago with the Flintstones was, (laughs) (laughs) was Dr. Joe Burns. He was Mr. Burns at the time. And I remember him saying to me, Joe, no parent ever sends anyone but their best child to your classroom. And I thought, you know, you're so right. So I've told people that whether you're a new teacher, whether you're a veteran teacher, please go in with the idea that if you have to make a phone call, if there's a problem, tell the positive things first. Start off on a good note. Say something good about that student before you say, I noticed that there's a a problem that I'd like you to maybe help me with. Are you noticing the same thing? Let's have a discussion and maybe we can help your child. To me, that empowers both sides to work toward a solution rather than drawing a line in the sand saying, this is your side, this is my side. And one of us is going to win. So by logical extension of argument, one of us has to lose. Mm-hmm. That is uh, so, so, so simple, Joe. Um, and, and, and anything else on that topic? Well, I think that you need to be a good listener. You need to listen to what parents are telling you, because sometimes they may be saying one thing, but actually they may be frustrated. And facing some of the same issues that you're facing, they're facing at home, you're facing in the classroom, but they just don't know how to articulate it or it's difficult for them. Maybe they haven't even realized that there's a similarity. And I like to think that any parent can walk in and say to me, may we please talk about my child? And as long as we are civil, sure, let's let's see what we can do to make the experience excuse me, the best experience for the child. That's that's the foundation, I think, of of parent relations. And, and something that I'd like to do for years is if we're having a problem that I'm having trouble with, I like to call a parent in with the child and say, let's all sit down together and see if we have the same perceptions. Because if mom or dad and I work out a solution, And then when you come in, we tell you the solution. You don't want to hear that because you haven't invested in it. You need to be there and hear the reasons behind why we'd like to help you in the way we are helping you and then work with us. Maybe you have an even better idea than we have. That happens a lot of times. 
Wow, I have a feeling our listeners, especially our early career members, uh, will be uh, listening back to that little piece there about communicating with parents a couple times to jot down some notes because I really think you effectively laid out very simply uh, a great way to start the conversation and to continue the conversation with parents. Um, you know, be, because it is, it can be, um, it's hard, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get on the other end of the phone. And sometimes there's a piece there where, uh, you know, some of our members may not want to share with their, with, with their colleagues, um, because there's a little bit of embarrassment there too, but we're, we're all in the same boat, I think. And, and we're all having those kind of issues and we're all needing to call home every once in a while. Jim, one of the nicest things that I've ever had happen to me is I've had a custodian come by and I'm sitting in the office five thirty, six o'clock at night calling parents. And if they're not there, just leaving messages saying, I love what your child did today. Uh, there was a response that I heard that rivals the things that I hear in the college classes or university classes I teach. And I want to tell you that it was just so amazing. So you know, congratulate your child for this. I've then had moms and dads tell me that they've kept those little recordings. And um, it, it just for sentimental reasons, whatever, but it, it, it's a feel good time. Really great and something we miss out on. You know, we put so much emphasis on calling home when there's an issue um, for some early intervention. But you're pointing out, Joe, you know, call home for the good things, too, which uh, is really great. Uh, It's something I used to do. I know if I had if I had a list of parents I wanted to call that day, let's say there were three or four of them and they may have all been issues. I made sure for myself and my own, um, I guess, if you want to call it sanity, uh, to slide a good call in there too, because it always made made me feel good. Um, so great, great stuff. I have something if, if I may to share with you, and I think this would be great for the the pre service and the early service teachers. I had a student many years ago, Eric, and Eric was a guy who was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, but there were some problems at home. And he was having some difficulties with some of the other teachers. And I would hear his name coming up in discussions at at meetings and things. And people were not seeing what I was seeing. That there was this brilliant kid in the room. They were seeing this kid, and he was doing this, who was disruptive, who was pushing people's buttons, knew exactly what to do and how to do it. And so I remember thinking, i got to do something. I, I need to step in here somehow. But... I don't want to overstep my bounds. So Eric's walking to lunch one day, and I said, Eric, come here. And he kind of looks at me and says, you're not in trouble. Come here. Comes in my room. I shut the door. And the first thing I said is this conversation never took place. And he kind of looks at me. and No, just go with me. Conversation never took place. I said, what are you doing? No, I don't even want to know what you're doing. You're pushing some people's buttons. And I'm telling you this as someone who respects you and knows what abilities you have, you may never make it out of this building if you keep it up. They're looking to have your skin on their own wall. Don't do this. And he's kind of looking at us and just whatever it is, I don't want to know, just cut it out. And two or three weeks ago, buying things were fine. I wasn't hearing about him anymore. It started up again. I pull him in again. I close the door and I'd say, we don't have to talk, do we? 
you know where this is going. I'm not going to waste your time. You're hungry. It's lunchtime. The only word I want you to leave in this room with is stop. Now go ahead and enjoy your lunch. And I did this throughout the rest of the year whenever things got a little too hot. Uh, let's see. Nine years later, I get a letter. And I find this letter when I come back to school after the summer. I open up the letter. It says, Dear Mr. Pizzo, I don't know if you remember me. Yes, I remember you. Remember you well. He said, I'm writing you this letter because I'm getting ready to go into a program to be a financial analyst. I'm going to go into training. I just finished college in Florida, and I'm going in as a financial trainer. I'm writing the letter to say thank you because you're the only guy who believed in me. And I have never forgotten that letter. That letter wakes me up every single morning and is with me on my drive to school, my time in school, my drive from school. I, that letter will be with me my entire life. That is a great, great letter, great story. Uh, Joe, I think you're being a little modest. I'm sure that's not the the only letter you've ever gotten. And, uh, you know, I'm sure over, over your years, you have quite a collection um, of letters and stories as, as you're sharing with us here. Um, so we all can just benefit from you and your advice and, and your career. And, and Joe, you mentioned the term pre-service there a moment ago. Um, you know, we do have um, an NJA. We we have a student group, the New Jersey Student Education Association. And I, I know them well because they come yep, to yep. meetings that I go to. Yep. Great. Great. And uh, great. And, you know, quite a few of them uh, listen to our show. And uh, Joe, what advice would, would you have for those, you know, maybe a year or two away from entering the profession? My in insight on this, for whatever it's worth, I think is simple. Don't get too caught up in the political environment. Don't get too caught up in what people say is happening or is going to happen, because things do tend to, to work in trends. And somehow things work themselves out after a time. Uh, you need to remember that you're going into teaching because you want to change lives of students. You want to influence their ability to think. You want to give them opportunities to discover themselves. A teacher is, is someone who allows discovery. I, I've said to pre-service teachers and early service teachers and veteran teachers, uh, parents and, and everyone that will listen to me, that we all hear the phrase, those that can do, those that can't teach. And I tell them that's not true. And it's not only not true because I don't think so, that's not the original saying. The saying came from this little known philosopher named Aristotle. And Aristotle said, those that can do, those that understand, teach. So if you understand, then you understand the content. You understand the climate. You understand the children, the clientele, however you'd, you'd like to, to say it. You understand collegiality. You understand professionalism. You understand perspective. And you understand what it means to see that light bulb go off 
when a kid learns something or the kid who comes up and says thank you the greatest thing this year is i had a class of kids and as they would leave every day almost every kid would say thank you as they left the room and i i told them that i said you know how classy that is do you know how wonderful that is uh, we read a, a short piece every year that alex haley did for parade magazine it's online uh, he did it i think back in 1982 called thank you and he realized that the three most powerful words in the english language uh two most powerful words sorry are thank you and he found it to be so powerful that he wrote letters to when he was in the navy to his father his grandmother and his minister who was also his elementary school principal on thanksgiving day and he got letters back from them thanking him for thanking them so from that day forward he would write down people's names and jot them little thank you notes and he also on his stationery printed the phrase find the good and praise it wow inspiring words uh from joe pizzo the uh the um 2016 educator of the year for the new jersey association for middle level education um jim i i think i'm going to uh go out tomorrow and register for seventh grade and i'd like joe to be my teacher Uh, you and me both, sir. And, uh, Joe, listening to Joe just kind of makes me wish I could go back in time. Um, you know, 15 years ago when I was right out of college in that seventh grade classroom, just, uh, struggling, um, you know, especially with the parents on the phone. So this is, uh, really a great resource for our members, Joe, and our listeners. Um, Joe, you know, we've been talking maybe 15, 20 minutes here. Um, is there anything that you wanted to mention? Um, anything that just did, didn't get brought up here that, that you think would be an important way to, to say, say, say goodbye for the sake of this program? I've worked a lot with Schools to Watch over the years, and our school is up for its third redesignation as a school to watch. We've been designated once, redesignated, and we're up to be redesignated again. And we have days in which all the schools to watch invite educators from all over the state to come to our classrooms, come to our schools and visit with us, spend three or four or five hours and see specific things that we do well. Uh, I would love to have that opportunity for those who would like to come to join us. I'd also like to reach out to anyone who has a classroom and would like to share materials, would like to share a lesson, to do a lesson together with our students. Um, I think that would be a neat thing to do. Steve Isaacs from Basking Ridge, that I know a lot of us know. Um, it, it's a great school and Steve is a, an amazing teacher. He does game design. So a couple of my students this year wrote the scripts for some of the games that can be designed and he's going to use them this fall, this September, as scripts that they can take and use and apply. And we'd like to do that more maybe this year. So I, I'm open to folks getting in touch with me and um, seeing if we can't do some things together. I would like that very much. Awesome, awesome offer there, Joe. And uh, would you like to give a shout out to your email address there so our listeners can re- re- reach out? 
it's on the Chester School's website. It's J O S E P H dot P I Z Z O at Chester hyphen NJ dot O R G. Awesome. So, uh, Joe, on behalf of Jess, uh, Jeff, and all our all our friends and family here at the Jersey Educator Podcast, just want to thank you for your time, for your your inspiring stories, and and your advice um, for all our all our members and all our listeners out there. Really great, Jim. It's been an absolute pleasure for me. Um, I can't thank you and Jeff enough for this opportunity to talk about my students. Uh, that's the, the greatest gift uh, anyone gives me, the opportunity to let folks know what wonderful students I have, not only at, at the middle school level, but at the college and the university as well. Joe, anybody that spends 41 years teaching middle school, uh, there's a special place for them somewhere. And congratulations <laughs> for all your success. And, uh, you know, keep in touch, my friend. Uh, it's been a great five years getting to know you, and I'm looking forward to at least another six or seven. Sounds good to me. Maybe 60 or 70. Who knows? <laughs> Jim, I got to tell you, Joe and his 40 plus years of experience is something that we should all be in awe over. Uh, like I said, I've known Joe for a long time. He is, he is the real deal. Great guy. Amazing educator. He has walked the walk, talked the talk. Um, I believe he was the first one that actually came up with the term continental breakfast after the army he served in. <laughs> he is one of those guys I would certainly recommend checking him out and certainly deserving of the award um, that he just received. Jim, what is going to be happening in our next episode? Uh, Jeff, we, we've uh, booked some episodes through the fall, and I believe our next show is uh, going to be a treat because we have an early career member from Middlesex County coming on. His name is Mark Mensel, and Jeff, he uses podcasts uh, in his school to connect with his students. Uh, he makes them regularly. I know he makes them to promote the athletic programs there he's involved in, so it'll be really exciting to have a podcast about a podcast. I, I can't am, wait. I'm certainly looking forward to that. Maybe I can learn a few things about doing podcasts. Um, there's certainly a lot of great stuff here. I hope you have a chance to check us out here. We are the Jersey Educator Podcast. Uh, one more time, coming to you live from the NJEA <sighs> convention in Atlantic <sighs> City coming up here in early November. Um, Jim, 16 episodes. The next one will be 17. Thank you so much for helping to put this together. Um, and thank you out there for listening to the Jersey Educator Podcast. On behalf of everybody at the New Jersey Educators Association, my name is Jeff Bradbury. And my name is Jim Boyce. Thank you so much for watching us. Thank you so much for subscribing to us. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions throughout New Jersey.